so we have to be very clear in what we say and what we mean to say when we're talking about the border and we're talking about it from the Bible's perspective, because there's nothing outside of God's scope. And to think that we bring this into a realm where love is void of truth would be absolutely foolish. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize seize the the faith. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast. We are live. Well, not really. Our recording is live. But you'll hear it on Friday. Hey. Welcome to Friday, everybody. That means tomorrow's Saturday and the weekend's here. And Which we could... is our future, but your reality. <laughs> this will be future Justin's problems. Future Justin's got all sorts of problems that day, I'm sure. Yeah. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's just two guys by themselves in a basement somewhere. In the middle of South Jersey, in the heartlands. And that is partly right. It's partly true, but there's another. There's no heartlands in South in Jersey. <laughs> it's all. There's, there's another with us. And I know I know that the scriptures say that where two or three are gathered, so also is Christ. But that is not the third person that I'm referring to. Do you know who I'm referring to, Justin? <laughs> well, I know who you're referring to, and now the beginning of this podcast is so awkward. We'd like to welcome in our special guest for tonight's topic. The one, the only, John Cooper. We've got to get a soundboard. That was awful. I'm so sorry, all my all of the audio listeners. John, what's up, man? Not much. I am JC, but I am not always with you. So. <coughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Just when you call. Just when- <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We're off to a rip roaring start here. We called. Yeah. But man, we have a top. Do we have a topic? Stop it. Do we have a topic for you tonight, today, Friday, our future Friday? (laughs) Yes, we do. We are we are talking about the completely banal and uninteresting topic of immigration and borders. That's right. We're talking about Jesus and the borders today. Sounds Mm -hmm. like a bad band. Does sound like an awful band name. Sounds like a band name that Chris Pratt would make in. Or it's like a band TV name. Sitcoms. It might even be a, a band name of a Hispanic band. On my notes, I wrote Bible and Borders just because it sounds better with the bees. Oh, just wow. Look at there. you just fixing that. We'll just, just, put, just putting that out there. That might be the title of this episode. Uh, the title of this episode, Bible and Borders <laughs> with JC. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is it wrong? Hey, glad I, I can help. Thank is you. it wrong that I feel like we should completely restart this episode? <laughs> we're, we're two minutes in. We can't restart. All right. We well, do this every we time. We hit a point where we're like, we should restart, and then we just keep pushing through. So here we go. Um, <clears throat> there's a whole lot uh, to go into the topic when we start talking about the border, when we start talking about nation borders, when we start talking about immigration, when we start talking about the alien in the scripture, the sojourner. Um, there's a lot to cover in that topic. We will, right up front, assure you, we will not cover remotely all of that <laughs> tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Right up front. We are iceberg tipping this. Yes, but it is very important because the scripture is very clear that we are to care for the alien and sojourner among us. But what does that mean? Does that does that imply that there should be nations and borders? And what do we do with that as Christians living out the biblical call to follow Christ? Can I... Can I just open up? Can I open up with with an interesting quote? I think that I think that this is this is I think this is going to be it's going to be pertinent. It's going to be pertinent. Well, I won't believe you until you say it, but I am all ears. All right, uh, I'm finding it here. 
and a mohawk. Oh, the, right. ha- the hawk is in full effect. So, so the reason the reason that this the reason that this is actually a thing is because there are among progressive Christians or or, or very liberal Christians, if those two words can be present in the same person at the same time. Um, well, I don't know if we should cut that out. Anyway, nah, keep. Um, here's here's a comment. Here's a comment by a progressive Christian, and um, it's this is this is becoming an increasingly popular uh, opinion, mainly because it's culture's opinion, and many Christians just like to uh, well bow to the wrong god. So um, here, here's a quote. Here's a quote from the Facebooks. He says, "If a nation truly wanted to observe all that Christ commanded, then the military would disband immediately. The poor and marginalized would be given absolute priority. The death penalty would be abolished. Prisons would be emptied. Guns would be destroyed and turned into farming tools. And everyone would have equal access to health care and education." And the climate change rainbow would just blow all over the place. <laughs> climate change. <laughs> LGBTQ C for climate change. <laughs> Pretty sure that C stands for chlamydia. Yikes! Major yikes. All right. Well, yeah. So there's there's an increasingly popular view that um, that that the open border policy of the Democratic Party um, is the policy of what the scriptures would say. You know, quote like no person is illegal, um, that type of thing. Um, and so we were we were just we were doing some back channel chatting uh, with John and uh, Alex. Um, just so, just on some of the headlines, because uh, it's pretty crazy down there. And we urge all of our Canadian friends that if you would like to come to America, you should fly into Mexico. And um, there's apparently some pretty big holes to slip right on through <laughs> into the United States. Well, it sure does seem that way, that's for sure. Um, so, but anyway, uh, yeah. So this this is this has been a giant problem in uh, United States headlines over the past couple of weeks. So, who else to talk about? something political with than with our friend john john cooper of the godly grunts ministry you haven't checked out that podcast or followed him on the socials you shall do so now jc thus we say it from tgg (laughs) and uh and john has some uh some experience having traversed many borders himself uh in his service (laughs) in the in his in the service in the military isn't that right john Yes, that is correct. <clears throat> but that is not – but I am actually somewhat of an expert on the American borders. And I know I told you guys I would save this for when we started talking. But my life experience, I grew up on the American border. Um, for 18 years of my life, I lived on the border. And uh, we had a lot of problems as uh, in Niagara Falls, New York, as maple syrup and poutine started to infect <laughs> – our uh, <laughs> our lovely state. They <laughs> but, but down through I, the maple curtain. Yeah, for all my Canadian friends out there, we live closer than you may realize. <laughs> but um, the in all serious note, even though I lived on the northern border, there were a lot of problems associated with that. A lot of uh, drugs that came over, which as a young adolescent, I may or may not have taken part of. Um, but. <laughs> John's testimony I, is a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll go to I'll go to confession. Um, but but uh, no matter you know we kind of forget about the northern border and that there may be problems there, and they are nothing compared to what's happening at the southern border right now. And it's absolutely insane that you think you can have a country and let thousands and thousands of people uh, inside of it. Um, 
it's it's very it's very dangerous because you know a we don't know who we're letting in. Uh, they fully admit that they have no idea. And B, I, I was under the impression that COVID was the worst thing that ever happened to mankind, and we're not testing them or vaccinating them. So, mm. and then sending them into the interior. So, I don't really understand. Um, as as many people don't really understand how this is not a malicious move. How this is could it be just bred out of pure ignorance? <clears throat> um, maybe, but it doesn't. It doesn't seem that way. So, for me, we have to come to the reality inside of the church um, with things that seem that feel in conflict for us in the scriptures. And that's where I think we really, it goes beyond the conversation. I mean, we've, we've got more, what is, what is most obviously illegal immigration occurring this year than we have in 60 years. So we're talking about an unprecedented level of humanity moving across uh, our borders into our country. But more than that, what is the Christian's call to do? Uh, what are what are what is what is the biblical stance um, to to understand what immigration is, uh, and also what would be illegal immigration, and how we connect those two? And I know that, that problem the problem we come into in our culture is the idea of illegal immigration. That's the uh, that's the people aren't illegal quote that you mentioned earlier, Jesse. And and to to enter into that discussion, we have to know. That the scripture ha- holds holds two positions very clearly. One, there are sojourners, and two, you you can care for the sojourners, um, but that there certainly can be sojourners that are not allowed to reside where they are seeking to reside. That would be the illegal sojourner, the sojourner that is not a resident alien, but rather someone who is living in a place without authority or permission to be in that land because that land belongs to someone else. And to, to bring those, those, to bring those biblical positions together into harmony requires work that the church seems to be unwilling to do because it's much easier to just say, we're supposed to love everyone and then take truth out of that so that we don't have to deal with the truth of a situation and simply just love carte blanche, which is without truth is simply to sin. So that's what we have to deal with tonight. Um, to, to kick us off, I think, I don't know, I don't know where exactly you guys were thinking, if you guys had any ideas about where you wanted to start uh, in the biblical discussion. I mean, <clears throat> for me, I just, I have Psalms seventy four seventeen, which says you have fixed all boundaries on earth. So, I mean, to think that there's this uh, God who just doesn't care about order and that there are no boundaries. Um, I think if we just started a discussion about people going in and seeking permission to be in someone else's land. Um, we need to understand that there are these boundaries. So for all to just, for us to just say, as people, as Christians that, Oh, there's no, there's no boundaries. It's just land. It's just all grass and you can go and graze wherever you want. I don't think, you know, it's not a biblical position off of that. Um, we see in Jeremiah 18 that God raises nations and he destroys nations. So he is a God, not only of boundaries of people, but he's also a God of nations. And then we see in Romans 13, that governments are to protect their citizens. And so we, um, to punish evil and and promote good. And so 
with those three things established, you know, you now have the fact that there can be a boundary, there can be a nation, and there can be someone who enforces a law, all from scripture. Now, how we deal so so there there are the condemning of what's happening in this country as as pastors and as ministers that we are called to do. Uh, there's a lot of incompetence going on, a lot of uh, things that, you know, they're promoting evil and punishing good. And so in the sense where if you want to work your job, you don't want to get, you know, you want to do certain things that you have legal right not to, then you're fired. Yet you can cross the border illegally and get $450,000, which is more than my wife would have gotten had I got, you know, blown up and got my brain splattered all over the floor in Afghanistan. So like, you're telling me that that's more important, obviously, because money, money talks. So you're telling me that's more important. Well, that's what Jay-Z said. What, so. Yeah. Then what, um, then, you know, <clears throat> then people crossing the border illegally, it is illegal. It's illegal immigration and uh, Christians should strive to follow the law wherever and whenever they can. So for a Christian to hold a position that we shouldn't somehow take a stance against illegal immigration, I think it's a little insane. Yet at the same time, we, there are situations we can't change. So me as an American citizen, I can vote. I can go to my town hall meetings and make my voice, you know, I can call my congressman. That's not really doing anything about the thousands of people who are under a bridge, you know, in Texas. Yet what I can do is I can go down there and I can share the gospel with those people if I live near there. And I can call them to repent of their sins. And guess what they should do once they're saved? They should go back to their country of origin or go through the legal process to become a member of, of our amazing society. So, yeah, that's my two cents right off the bat about it. Yeah, I think I think framing the conversation, I think there's lots of it's it's such a huge conversation. I mean, and it makes sense because we're talking about nations here at this point. But I, I think that there are some I think some things that we need to kind of clear clear up as like a couple more things that we need to clear up. So um, someone who someone who would um, favor some type of border security, border protection, some type of the idea of a sovereign nation with borders, along with accompanying um, legal immigration avenues for people to le- legally enter and become citizens of the country. Um, I think that we would all probably agree that that is a good thing um, to have processes by which we can accept new people into the nation that would, that would desire to become members of that nation. So having legal avenues for that is good. Um, You know, as far as the details of those, um, you know, that's probably too big, too big of a topic for now. But I I do want to say that it's, it's a little bit of a mischaracterization to think that because I would favor strong border enforcement or because one might favor a strong border policy that that equals that we hate people that want to come mm-hmm. into the country it doesn't equal hate at all so we can that that's that's a complete mischaracterization of of the position it, i mean there are people who favor strong borders that would be racist that would hate that would I mean, I, I, I see them all over Gap, where there's way way more white supremacist tendencies on that platform, but probably just as many as there are wildly liberal tendencies on Facebook. You know, pick your poison. So but, you're saying Gab is a white supremacist uh, haven? No, Gab is Gab is a free speech, so white 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 supremacist speech is not censored. 
So I'm saying that it's just visible. So you can just point at them and laugh. Yeah. Which is great. Tell them you're, well, yeah, which is great. <laughs> it's important when you have free speech so you can point at the idiots and laugh. Hey, yeah. you're an idiot. You shouldn't be an idiot anymore. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I was so, just giving you a chance to make sure you weren't, <laughs> you weren't actually saying what it sounded like you may have been saying. <laughs> Yeah, for for those that don't, you I, made it I sound like Gab was just a place where white liberal, oh, <laughs> white yeah. supremacists are all over the place. No, but you, but you do run into that. I mean, people using the N word just for the sake of being offensive and and talking about actual African American people and in a completely disrespectful way, treating right. them subhuman. That and we absolutely, can, and we can point at them and say that's disgusting and vile. Absolutely, You're an evil person. you should repent from you your should, sin. Yeah, and, yeah, you should repent from that. Yeah, one hundred percent. So there are people that favor strong border policy, like say, for instance, I would. But who are racist in their intentions and who are, um, you know, white supremacist in their ideology, the idea that, oh, you know, a, a brown person or a person of color coming in is going to, you know, taint our, our you know, I tend white to disagree identity. with you slightly because those people that you're speaking of, um, while they are a minority, they actually don't they actually don't even want legal immigration. They, they, you want legal oh, yes, immigration. Yeah, so, you know, so there is you know, a difference. You're, you're there. correct. There is, there is a difference um, in that. Uh, but, but I do think that there are people important. that hide behind strong border policy and and would would probably be racist. Um, I mean, I'm I'm sure there are. I don't know that I I could. I'm just saying that race racism exists, and but you can't label everyone who has a strong position on border policy a racist. Yes, that is what you're saying is correct. Racism is that's exist. all I meant. Um, what a terrible, terrible way to get there. That was awful. Thank um, you guys for listening. <laughs> Do, can I have my time coupon for the time I just lost, please? No, you can't. <laughs> oh, dang it. Um, <laughs> Fresh out. But I would actually say it's a loving position because not only do you love the people who live in this country, because if you let people in illegally, you don't really know what they're bringing with them. Um, via You also love the kid who is being left at the border wall just so, a, you know, we see all we all saw the videos. The kid just being thrown over the border wall, like and I, who knows what kind of damage they did to that kid's legs falling off a twenty foot, twenty five foot wall. Um, you know, you love that child. If you have strict border policy and people know that they can't just come over, um, if they wear a "I'll vote for Biden" t shirt, um, then they're not going to make take those risks. Uh, because they know they're just going to be turned back or they know it's going to be stricter. You also love the person who's on the list waiting to come into this country legally. Mm-hmm. You love them and you want them to come to this country. You do not want them to get injustice to be done for that person because that is what's happening. It's unjust that that person went through the legal avenues um, and then which we as Christians should push legal avenues Uh just for someone to cheat the system. Um, if someone cheated them on something, they would say it's unfair. Well, how does that not not apply in the same the same vein? Yeah, I think maybe just to, just to bring us back to some clarity, we've established a few things thus far in our speaking. We've established that God is the one who lays out nations. He lays out nations and their borders. They are they are actually from God. We see this not only when John read the Psalms. We you can you can look at you can even look at Daniel Daniel prophesying. Um, the, the many layers of the statue. Each one of those is a nation that God knew and he knew where it would be, how long it would exist and what it would do. There's, there's no shortage of borders that God has given. And it's not, borders are not um, an, an inherent evil in any way. Uh, and God knows the, the nations 
and he knows where the nations are. He knows when the nations will stand. He knows when the when nations will fall. Um, so we we know that this this means does not this means that inherently borders are not evil. Um, we know that <clears throat> inside of that God does give sovereignty. Uh, God gives sovereignty to a nation. We see things like uh, in in Leviticus nineteen thirty three and thirty four where it's speaking about strangers that sojourn it says when a stranger sojourns with you in the land you shall do you shall not do him wrong you shall treat the stranger who sojourns you with you as a native among you and you shall love him as yourself for you were strangers in the land of egypt i am the lord your god so here in god's giving the law he's setting up a a specific place for resident aliens for those that will sojourn with the nation now he's also pretty clear about this as well when he gives the law that these people that 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 seek to sojourn in the land of Israel and go through the proper channels. They, they seek the authority out. They make their request. They're granted their request. They also must be circumcised. They must adhere into the covenant. Um, they, they must acknowledge the one and true God. And in doing that, there's protection for them. They are protected in the nation, in God's nation. Uh, so there's, there's very clear reality there as, as you would enter into a nation, um, you would not seek to do it harm. You would seek to become a part of that nation. Uh, which is which is very clear in God's scripture, um, and we know that we as Christians are commanded to love the sojourner, just as they in just in the New Testament as they were in the Old Testament, that we should care for those that sojourn. We also know that we are citizens of the kingdom of God, as First Peter tells us, that that is where our citizenship is, and that that inherently makes us, in many ways, sojourners in this world, as our citizenship lies beyond this world, in the kingdom of heaven. So we have some direct connection to this conversation in a very biblical way, which is why we must process it and not simply make, as you said, Jesse, these claims of anyone who anyone who might see a sovereign nation and and border security and border enforcement uh, should not be seen as someone who is simply uh, malevolent, right, or ill-intentioned. Rather, those things are right and good as they come from God. And so we have to be very clear in what we say and what we mean to say when we're talking about the border and when we're talking about it from the Bible's perspective, because there's, there's, there's nothing outside of God's scope. And to think that we bring this into a realm where love is void of truth would be absolutely foolish. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, 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 there is, there's definitely a lot to say. And, um, I, I agree with, I agree with John that it's there there is an instance there is an instance of love and Justin you highlighted some of the passages um which are very explicit i mean exodus in in, in the passing down of the law exodus 22:21 you shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him for you were sojourners in the land of egypt um deuteronomy 27:19 cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner or the fatherless and the widow and all the people shall say amen i mean god's people are to treat um immigrants um with without any sort of partiality we're not to look down on them and we're not mm-hmm. to exalt them just ju- just as any other category of, of people and so we look forward um to welcoming and accepting and uh evangelizing and getting to know um our immigrant friends um from all nations and tribes and tongues why because we're going to be sitting at the table um you know feasting in heaven um with people from all nations and t- tribes and tongues and what a blessing to have those nations come to where we are. Um, you know, that, that's just a lazy part of me saying that, but <laughs> you know, but, but what it's like the great commission in reverse. It, it is <laughs> the great come to me. 
You're lazy. <laughs> you said so. Anyway, um, there, there's also some. I am not going to try to go into this, um, but a, a while ago I had actually done a little bit of study. Um, there's there's actually some interesting nuances in between in, in some of the words um, that that reference uh, sojourners or or resident aliens uh, throughout the text. I mean, that throughout the text of the Bible, um, like there's some that. So uh, there's there's there are there are Hebrew words, and I, I will not attempt to replicate them uh, audio, audio. But we would be very entertained. You know that that reference um, a more general sense of, of of alien, someone who someone who is is somewhere where they're not not supposed to be or or not native to. Um, but then there are there are um, resident aliens who who um, are are in a country who are affording themselves of the country's uh, resources, who are participating in the society of the country, but do not have any sort of natural or inherited rights to the country. There actually does seem to be a kind of interesting nuance. Um, in the scripture, as to someone who is legally in a place and someone who is um, not really in a place, who is who is in a place that is not legally or officially recognized, and we actually see this um, in the life of some of the patriarchs, um, right? I think I think John meant earlier off chat. John mentioned Abraham um, and Moses also as they're wandering in the desert. I mean, they would approach the leaders of these different lands and actually ask for permission to sojourn in that land. And if they got permission, they would sojourn. And if they did not, they had to find somewhere else or, you know, die. So, I mean, there's there's actual biblical precedent for um, the sovereignty of nations to have, um, you know, kind of immigration laws and policies, um, what we would refer to as immigration laws and policies, um, but just kind of a way of knowing who's in and who's out. Um, so I, th- I thought that was kind of an interesting Interesting take as well. I keep forgetting that John's on the chat because my video's not up of him. <laughs> oh, good. So, John, what other so besides like um, drugs and stuff that you may or may not have partaken in? Uh, what other kind of interesting conversations or or realities of border life did you face um, up in New York, or have you considered throughout the years? I mean, like I said, it's not anything like what's going on in the southern <clears throat> border, but. It is interesting because you is you know the Can- there are a lot of Canadians who listen to this, so uh, I'm sure they'll get chuckles out of some of the things I'm saying or not like some of the things I'm saying. But I mean, our prices are better here in America, so they would come over, and then you'd see someone wearing like eight sweaters as they cross the back over the borders. They don't have to pay, you know, they don't have to claim it. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I came here in August with eight sweaters on. And so, <laughs> Why do you so, also not have eight sweaters on? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What's wrong with you? Uh, I, uh, I I appreciate people trying to be uh, wise with their money. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not fun when you're working at the mall and then there's all these boxes all over the place. But that is your job. So uh, you clean it up. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just being in Niagara Falls is an international, you know, it's an international tourist spot. So you get to meet a lot of people and talk to a lot of people from a lot of different places. A lot of them don't understand what you're saying um, because they can't speak English. But, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's nice to be able to cross the border. Canada is a beautiful country. Um, but, like I said, I mean, there's there's a lot of drugs that get pop, pumped over from Canada um, because, the I mean, shoot, up here, because I'm, I'm still near the border up in upstate New York, and – I mean, it's, there's like nothing. <laughs> yeah. They're talking about a wall. It's like, we just got a river 
And if yeah. you if you can get across, especially in the wintertime, like hey, you you earned your your keep. <laughs> so well, that is the um, that is the law of the land. <laughs> if you yeah. if you get across the river, <laughs> yeah, you are one of us now. <laughs> I don't even know what we're saying? There, yeah, well, but okay. This river this river freezes. <laughs> ah, so it does offer its own pitfalls, so to speak, quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean that's there's really no unique challenges. Now I've talked to people who lived on the southern border that I've met in the army and they say I mean they've seen illegal immigrants go through their farms and and things like that and leave a wake of destruction in their way and it's not to say that every single illegal immigrant that comes over here is leaving that wake of destruction but definitely could be limited with uh a stricter enforcement and to love the people I knew, I guess. So yeah, I think that's what we that's what we ignore. We we ignore the fact that there there are two people to love in a situation where illegal yeah. immigration is occurring, and to ignore that is to to not acknowledge truth inside of love. And that that's that's the that's the mantra of our culture. We we ignore truth uh, for what we think is the sake of love, and by doing so, we actually find ourselves being very unloving. And that's that's what we have to combat as Christians. And so. Yes, uh, it is. It, it should be offensive to hear uh, that through our legal our legal system and the and the current administration policies, uh, and and a legal immigrant who feels they were treated poorly could receive more in payouts than the victims of the families that were killed in the nine eleven terror attacks, and that should be offensive. That should be something that causes offense to us because yeah. what we're missing is the the harm uh, occurred in many stages and it was not something that was simply inflicted upon them by the United States government or the United States people. It was caused by the harshness of a dangerous journey to journey to a nation that was not your own in a manner that was indeed illegal. And so there's got to be something to, to be said for justice because God continually communicates that it is justice uh, that he indeed delivers. And his justice is not void of truth. In fact, his justice is loving because it focuses on his standard and truth at the same time. So we can't just ignore what God says at times because we find it more convenient for the feels to be what we consider loving. We must consider it in the sum totality of his word. Uh, and I think yeah. that, that's 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 very important. And I think that the the love um, argument comes a lot from the fact that these the money that these people that these the people who are receiving this money is because they were separated from their children when they came over here. Um, and which I mean, which would be a terrifying thing. Uh, but what I don't seem to, and maybe it's just my lack of knowledge, but this they're saying that this is the easiest legal payout is to just pay these people $450,000. And what I don't understand is like, well, they broke the law. Like how, if you broke the law and then you get separated from your children, which it would be the same if I broke the law, I would get separated from my children. Um, that's, that's the way law enforcement works. I mean, that's the way the prison systems work. And that's the way I'm sure that these border, you know, holding centers or whatever they, they're called uh, work as well. I mean, you separate, you separate people. That's what you do. Whenever we question people in the military, guess what we do? We separate. We segregate. 
we put them in different areas so they can't talk to each other or whatever the case may be, and we interrogate them separately. So I assumed, separation. I assumed you had Go couches ahead, and you sat down yeah, you and you hung out. put them all together and then you vote. Oh, yeah. You, had a, you vote. <laughs> no. <laughs> no? That's not how that – man. Not how that ship sails. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so, I mean, it is a – it's a – so to the average person, it, it sounds loving. That's what it sounds like. But – the fact that they broke the law, there has to be some sort of – there has to be some sort of justice that has to be done, some sort of standard that has to be enforced. And when you pay people to break the law, no matter what that law is, when you pay people to break the law, more people will break the law because they know you will not enforce it. And in the sense of our border <laughs> – Just look at American politics. More, <laughs> yeah. And in the sense of our border, that's going to bring more people harm because – there's a lot of you know sex trafficking things like this that come over because of weak borders, and I mean I've had run-ins. Not, nah, I'm going to say this since I'm really bad. I have had run-ins with international um, illegal immigrant prostitutes. Not in the sense that I was buying the prostitutes, but there was a. They were in a business that I was working at. I just want no to be clear. You can't dig. You're only digging the hole deeper as you keep yeah, telling the story. This isn't your testimony <laughs> episode. That's a different episode. <laughs> yeah. So uh, business that I worked for, they rented out the front part to a uh, massage parlor that had all the legit paperwork and everything. Well, they found out that they were sex trafficking Chinese immigrants illegally. And they called the police, did an investigation. They got it shut down. But I mean, that's the kind of things, and that was on the northern border. And that's where they came from. So I can only imagine on the southern border where it's not as, uh, you know, that, I mean, that's, we know that's happening. We know it. And yet it's somehow loving to not enforce those rules to, to those young girls. I mean, I can only imagine they're not old. I mean, they, they have to be 20s to 13 to 20 is probably the age group that they're in. Um, and it's sickening, it's disgusting. Yeah. And the law needs to be enforced. You know, Lex Rex, right? The law is king. Like, you know, we, that's what we need to get back to. Like there, God has laws. God put his law out there. It's called the law of God. He expects there to be law and order in our lands. Therefore we should do that or at least go back to it. I mean, I, I think that it presupposes a moral people. Uh, that's kind of where my, yeah. that's where my concern is for, you know, that is when you have immoral people making the laws, you have immoral laws. And that's that's where we're running up against all these crazy, crazy things. And we just like, you know, it, it was um, it was so evident in our conversation with uh, Pastor Jacob Rayom in Ontario. You know, he we, we asked him about the role of Christians in politics. And he says, you know, I've re he says the older I've gotten, the less involved in politics I've become, which was a, was a shocking answer to me because I, I kind of look at them as as really heavy hitters in, in their culture. Um, but he said, you know, like just, just the idea that repentance is what our nation needs, yeah. you know, repentance is what we should pray for. Repentance is the thing that we should be pushing. I mean, if you, and it, it really made me pause and, and, and think like, you know, what's the fastest way to turn the policies in this country around the bad policies It's to have all of our leaders repent and turn to Jesus. <laughs> literally the fastest way. I mean, boom, change with literally inside of one administration, repentance and change can happen. Um, you know, and it is terribly convicting because I don't, I don't often pray for my political leaders and the Bible actually instructs me to, um, to do that. And, uh, it's, it's an area of neglected, uh, diligence that I have. 
that, and because that, of our our people, not so much our leaders, but our people's refusal to repent for the social the social cultural things that you guys talk about all the time in this podcast. You know, we see what in Isaiah three four says. You know, the judgment on Israel or on Judah rather was, "I will make your boys their princes, and infants shall rule over them." So, I mean, he's basically saying, I'm going to have people with infant minds, like, or little boys running your country. That's a judgment from God. And I mean, and I no particular uh, offense, I guess, to the president of the United States, but it's, you know, he's acting like an infant. I mean, there was a report that he pooped in his pants. I mean, to, to that level, I mean, to that level where Jeez. you have the no, entire John, country. It's seeing, alleged. We don't know. Yeah. That that's <laughs> alleged. Happened. The investigation is ongoing. <laughs> yeah, investigation's ongoing. But they've had a but, awkward. But, but like what cramp. I'm saying is, like, you know, you have a whole country chanting, you know, yeah, you know, f Joe Biden or let's go Brandon, and people see the incompetence in this man, and and yet we we just we like to say the chant because it's funny, and we don't like the guy, but this is judgment from God because our because people for the all the reasons you guys have talked about on your podcast before. Because we will not repent as people for our sin against God. And in that same uh, – in Jeremiah 18, like I mentioned before, it says that if nations turn and repent, he will pull back his judgment on mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And if we turn and repent – and we can vote we, – we, okay, we could vote Trump back in, right? We could do that. Some might argue that we already did, but – Did, yeah. But anyway. we, we could do that. Is that going to solve the country? And I, I would say, no, we have to, as people, repent. And when you have infant leaders come in, you have these laws not enforced, which is what we're seeing, you know, which is the topic of today uh, in our, <clears throat> excuse me, our borders not being enforced because they're infants. They don't know how to run things. They don't know how to do things. They're not mature. Uh, they're not serious people. And what is it? John Calvin said that when, a, excuse me, God's judgment on people is an incompetent leader. And so... I think that was John, either John Calvin or John Scott. So, I mean, you you see that's pretty much what's going on right now, and it's it's a it's sad. But as Christians, this is a great opportunity for us because now we get to call people to repentance, and hopefully, we'd see revival in this country. Hmm. Uh, people are actually seeing what happens when God judges us, and at the same time, we get to go to these places where illegal immigrants are, and we can share the gospel with them. Is you know, they're here. They're not going anywhere. So we get, you know, that's, those are people we can share the gospel with. And that's correct. I, I, I think what we, I mean, everything you're speaking about, it just, it always takes me back to when Samuel warned the people when they desired to have a king that was not God. And, 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 and Samuel in first, in first Samuel eight, uh, 11 to 18, he just says, look, he's the, if you want a king, he's going to take your sons, he's going to take your daughters, he's going to take your things, you will be his slave. And, and we have made for, I think, so often, as is the case, we take something good, we make it an idol. And so we have made mm. an idol out of our political structure. And, and we have become slaves to it. And we should, we should be, we should not wonder Right when that passage ends, and and in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. We shouldn't wonder why we are where we are when we have not let God be the God that He is, and and that's where we find ourselves. But but in that, like you just said, we're in the middle of it, and so the the 
the call biblically is still there. So when when there is when there is someone, right, that we encounter that is that is an illegal immigrant, it is not to it is not to to hate them. It is to love mm-hmm. them and to love them with the gospel and to call them to repentance. And that means full repentance. We don't get to halfway repent. It's the same reason I call my kids to repentance. It's the same reason God and my family, my church family, called me to repentance because we should not let ourselves live in sin. We should call one another to repentance. And that means everything. That means whether I'm an illegal alien and I should, I should seek out to become a legal immigrant. If I'm, if I'm cheating on my spouse, I should stop cheating on my spouse. These things are not things that we just let happen. We don't, we don't say, oh, well, you know, now it's okay. Because you've repented. Well, it's already happened. It's, it's already happened. It's no big deal, right? No, it's it's something that we need to remember that confession is a key principle, right? That that the whole of Christian life is one of repentance, and that means to God and to others when we sin against them. And so, and so to to answer this question biblically, yes, nations are clearly established by God, and and indeed God God gives authority in those nations. The authority is to be carried out righteously, and when the authority is not being carried out righteously. Right, we do not follow in unrighteous authority, so we don't just start okaying things as Christians because we want to do the quote unquote loving thing, right? With the with the tenth, the eleventh commandment, right? Of be be nice, we don't just we don't just go along with that. Rather, we say no, this is wrong, this is not how it should be. You're not caring for the people inside the country when you are allowing people to come into the country illegally. When you're not actually seeking someone out who wants to actually become a part of a nation, which is a creedal nation. That is that you, you will adhere to the creed. It's the beauty of what America can be. It's why it was called the melting pot because it didn't matter where you were from. You could come and ascribe to the creed of the country and be an American, no matter where you were from. And we ignore that, which hurts the actual country itself and those that live in it. And the reality is, is when you let illegal immigrants in, they are going to be living in it. And immediately they will then be harmed by the continued flow of illegal immigration. It's not going to make it any better for them. The job market is still going to be the same one that they are now fighting in. And so it's a it's this cycle of sin that needs to be broken at some point. And if Christians aren't going to be willing to stand because it doesn't seem nice to say, then then we should know we should not wonder when God's judgment does come upon it the way it is. And here it is. And it's and that's where we sit. And so our call is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And we preach it in season and we preach it out of season because it is the good news. In country and out of country. <laughs> that's correct. I mean we ignore so many things. We just ignore so many things in this discussion as if be nice means let all let, let everyone come into the country, borders don't matter. That's not true. And in fact, the fact that our country has existed the way it is has allowed it to be the most generous country in the history of the world. Yep. It's this country, this one right here. This this little thing that we are a part of is the most generous country that has ever existed. The money that flows out of this country to the world to help those in need all across the world who cannot repay. And 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 we snuff that out when we don't treat this country as if it is actually a country. Yeah. And it's it's actually the religious the religious people in our country that actually donate far more than those who are agnostic or atheistic in tendency. And with the new study out, it's also the only people in the country that are uh, actually uh, having babies yeah. having babies above a repra- yeah. replacement level. <laughs> You're welcome, society. Just Christians doing their thing. <laughs> Which I mean is how many argued that Christianity took over Rome's because we just outpopulated Rome. <laughs> 
but you know, over the oh, centuries, that's that that's like, a whole other topic. It's but. like burning. Bur- <laughs> I, I just say burn the freaking candle at both ends, man. And they know? say Christians yeah. don't like sex. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Clearly, that's obviously, ridiculous. we've been very, we're very much on board. Yeah. It's just that we are on board with the way God has set it up to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, kind of going back to what you're saying, there's a lot of, I think a lot of it comes from there is a people take the verse that we are citizens of heaven. This is what this is just from my what I've seen. Uh people take the verse that we are citizens of heaven, we're soldiers on this earth, and therefore we shouldn't be proud to be a member of a society and protect that society because we're not citizens of that society. And I think, I mean, obviously I think that's wrong. I'm very proud to be an American. I'm very proud of our nation's uh, history. There are things obviously that we did that, um, you know, we're not good to use, just use slavery as an example, but like Jeremiah 18 says, we repented. We had a civil war over it and we changed that in our nation. We changed the way we treated people of a different skin color. Uh, We repented of that. We changed that. Um, That's why our nation's been so blessed because God literally says in his word that that's what he'll do. Um, And so, for us to, as Christians, and, you know, while we're sitting here fat and lazy, uh, sitting in a hot tub eating Cheetos, to say, well, I hate being an American. And it's like, you know, well, so they just let them all in because we don't need this country anyways. I'm a Christian. But that's just not being good stewards of what we have. I mean, Nehemiah, who's one of my favorite characters in the Bible, or I don't know if characters is the right way to say that, but one of my favorite people in biblical recorded history is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was very proud of his country. I mean, he had, he had the job. I mean, he was, he had the job, cupbearer of the most powerful man. He had the ear of the most powerful man in the world. And what did he use that for? He used that for his nation of origin. He used that for Israel. And what was happening? Their walls were burned down. Their borders were burned down. And guess what he did? He risked everything to go there and rebuild this. I mean, to talk to the king in that time was not something that you just did. You know, you you weren't just bros. You didn't, you didn't DM them. You know, <laughs> like it's like that's. I mean, he risked a lot to to be able to do that for the nation of Israel. And then when he saw that his beloved nation was turning away, what does he do in chapter thirteen? He goes there and literally beats them. Literally beats them because he knows the history of his nation. He knows what happens when they didn't live for God. That they would just go into this cycle and maybe go into exile again. Is what he's thinking. We just got out of this mess. So he's coming back there and he's just literally just beating them. Yeah. And, you know, that is the attitude we have to have with our nation. It's like, look, all this stuff is happening. Now, I'm not suggesting we go and beat our progressive Christian friends, but but uh, you know, they, they may they may need it. But, but <laughs> me and Justin are looking at each other like, oh, I mean, I'm fine with it. <laughs> but I mean they, they I mean, need I, to be I, strongly I, rebuked. I can and, get the plowshares built be, be right back into swords, man. I can get that done real quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean I've as, got this picture. They, of, hey, they yeah. can melt down all their weapons if they want for farm tools. I'm keeping mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I just got this picture of Nehemiah trying to slide into the king's DMs now. <laughs> from John. I'm just gonna slide into the DMs. <laughs> it's a it's literally a paper in his cup. He's like, What is this? <laughs> Oh, sorry. You drink sir. it. You get something in your mouth. Oh, sorry. So, yes, let me read it's this like, for you. It's oh, like a it's, cracker jack box. Sir. It's a request. <laughs> oh my gosh! You, you look up. There's Nehemiah over there, like winking at you. <laughs> you, know, you know, 
You know what I mean, King? You know what I mean? Catching him across <laughs> the court. You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I, think, I think what we fail to realize is that when once when we preach the gospel to a an, an immigrant that would be illegal illegally in a country, right, and we seek to bring them into what, what you're referring to, like Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven, right? And from it, we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. As soon as you bring someone into that citizenship, immediately they're their Lord is, is Jesus. Their Lord is God. Mm-hmm. Their Lord changes. And at that point, that Lord says, do not continue in sin. And as soon as you say, do not continue in sin, you must say, what sin is that? It is the, all the sin, all the sin. Don't continue in sin, right? We're not yeah. here to let grace, to, to, to just let grace willy nilly abound and commit more sin so that grace abounds even more. We're here to say, no, I know that that is true. Let me live as a bondservant of Christ. And the bondservant of Christ says, right, this, this is, I mean, there's, there's literally a whole book of the New Testament written about this exact kind of situation, right? We have Onesimus, and we, and, and we, we have the, the runaway slave to go back to his master. I mean, once you've become a Christian, once you've been a faithful Christian, you cannot continue to live in that sin as if God is accepted of it now because you are in Christ. Rather, you hmm. must you must repent of it, which means to turn from it and to live righteously. It, it, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive if you're going to live biblically uh, to, to think that's that doing something illegal is okay to violate, to willing to willfully violate obvious laws is not okay. Right. Unless those laws are unrighteous. So if we've, dec- if we've already deemed that God is very clear about what a nation is and, and that there are borders, then we must see some things as righteous, Right. I'm not. I'm not saying that that we should be we exalt the righteousness of killing the unborn. Obviously, that's not righteousness. We don't. We don't glory in that. We hate that. That is a vile sin and affront against God. So there are things that a nation can do righteously, and in that, in so doing, they can be enacting the righteousness of God, and we must follow through with that. It's just a level of ignorance that I think we coat ourselves in, uh, because because we've we've just become we've just become so affluent that that. Our decadence is, is is just turned to decay, and that's just kind of the reality of where we live. Yeah, and I mean, in Jonathan Edwards' time, that was kind of the same thing that was going on. And he, you know, led an effort in America under God's grace to turn people back um, to Christ. Um, and, and the same with, you know, Dwight L. Moody in his little <clears throat> section of the country. Same with a lot of the Reformers, which we just celebrated Reformation Day yesterday. As the day were, as the day were recording. So, yeah, I mean that's it's through bold preaching, and uh, and through truth that we can change change situations and nations. Yeah, and just to in, in case someone hears the name Jonathan Edwards and gets all gets their panties in a bunch, yes, Jonathan Edwards did have slaves, and he did not treat them as you're thinking slaves were treated. That is not the case. Additionally, his son of the same name, Jonathan Edwards Jr., was an ardent abolitionist. Ardent. Fought hard against slavery. I just want to clarify that because I think we, we throw we, we don't we don't ever actually analyze the history that we then we take one bad thing and we run with it. So I just <laughs> want to mention that yes, Jonathan Edwards did lead a revival. Yes, Dwight Al Moody did lead a revival in Chicago. These things did happen. These men were not perfect and they did preach the word faithfully. It impacted them, and then subsequently, you see, it impacted generations after them, and they continued forward in the faith. They actually matured in their sanctification, even beyond the points of those that began those movements. So yeah. I just wanted to 
say that because history is important. I forgot about the people don't like Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's unholy. I, it, it's really sad. We're getting to a point where whitewashing history literally means painting mm. every white person in a bad light. It's 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 a shame. It's literally the opposite. It's an upside down clown world that we're living in here. It is true. I want to leave this world behind. <laughs> I don't know where to go from this. We've, we've I got I got an interesting deviation oh, we please, can make de- if we have the time. I, I what, are we got the time? I I say yeah. I say deviate. Baby. I mean, if John wants time, I say give the man time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not that important. <laughs> to quote Andy Reid, <clears throat> "Times yours." That's an, that's a football reference. Sorry, yeah, I didn't get that. that was that's, how, that's what Andy Reid would say. It actually made me uncomfortable. Andy Reid would literally come out <laughs> after a Philadelphia Eagles game. He does it still for Kansas City. He says, "Well, this is what we did," and then he would finish his little account of the game, and they would say, "Okay, <clears throat> times yours," and then the reporters would ask him questions. I I am sorry. I need to say. Whenever I think of Andy Reid, I literally think of a walrus. Yes. Well, that, he does. Look that's like a for walrus. many different factors. <laughs> it is true. Everyone in Canada is like Andy Reid. What is wrong with these people? Who is that? Anyway, Andy Reid was a co- Andy was the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time before Jesse <laughs> before Jesse even knew that sports existed. Andy Reid was the coach of the Philadelphia. <laughs> what Eagles. are these guys talking about? <laughs> Andy Reid. Now he's the now he's the now he's the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. You can go look him up. And look for us post-game interviews, and you'll see him say, <clears throat> Time, time's yours. You'll see it. I guarantee it. John, time's yours. All right, so time's mine. Um, so now that three minutes of that has been taken away, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding around. Your time coupon's in the mail. Yeah. Um, John MacArthur had an interesting take as I was doing studying um, for a paper I had to write for my lovely seminary, and um, – he blames a lot of our country's uh, denigration, uh, if that's the right word to use there, on the um, feminist movements that have taken place in our country. And he uses Isaiah 3 as a as a way to show that. And I kind of had this in my notes because I didn't know where tonight was going to go. Um, so I figured when we were just kind of at a lull point, I would just throw his thesis out there. And his thesis is basically – um, and we see in, first off, we see in Isaiah three twelve, my people, infants are their, uh, are their oppressors and women rule over them. Um, so it's like that women rule over them. It's, it's, a, it's not a natural thing. It's not what's, it's not the natural order of things. Then he goes on in this really interesting, uh, 16 through 26. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically the daughters of Zion, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the daughters of Zion had become super haughty and they started basically whoring themselves out and wearing all kinds of, uh, I mean, it just said, it says here, you know, like the headdresses, amulets, sashes, perfume boxes, amulets, again, signet rings, nose rings. I mean, they're really, they're really promiscuous. They're really putting themselves out there. But then he comes in and says, instead of their perfume, this is starting at verse 24, instead of perfume, there will be rottenness and instead of a belt, a, ro- <clears throat> a rope, and instead of well-set hair, baldness, instead of rich robes, a skirt of sackcloth and branding instead of beauty. And then he gets to this part, which is where John MacArthur really comes at it. And he says, and your men shall fall by the sword and your mighty men in battle and her gates shall lament and mourn empty shall sit on the ground, empty. She shall sit on the ground, which basically is like when women rise to this promiscuity and, and men, become weak when women are this way 
when they're, you know, we all know that a woman's hair is her glory. And we see, you know, we see the lesbian movement is something where a lot of women shave their heads for whatever reason. And, you know, they want to look like men, which we were told isn't a real thing. But anyways, besides, besides the point. And <laughs> Don't muddy the and, waters now, John. You're doing so well. <laughs> yeah. And so um, it's just interesting to me that because we've, we have a culture that's very promiscuous, very haughty. And this is, gives the example of just the women. And we see that in these, these pride parades. And we see this in a lot of the feminist parades. By the way, there's no maleness parades, no manness parades. I've never seen one, but that's besides the point. And, but then the men become weak and they shall fell by a sword. And I, you know, every generation says this of warriors when I was in the army, and the, the soldiers coming in now, I mean, I, I noticed that were, they were a lot weaker than I remembered I was when I came in. Now that could just be me thinking more highly of myself than I should have. <coughs> Excuse me. But the, uh, it is a point that we see a lot of weakness in our military right now. And this is all coming after a lot of these movements have taken place. I was just wondering what your guys thoughts would be on that. Well, we did. We definitely touched on this in episode 41 that we did. Uh, and speaking of the reality that, that by undoing, uh, by undoing the, the creative order that God has given where it's just, it's just one of the ways Satan subtly tries to advance the curse uh, upon us, I mean, the the curse is very clear that that God has given responsibility to the man, but that the woman will will indeed desire that responsibility. That that men will desire to be lazy, as as Adam was indeed lazy and did not do his job, mm-hmm. um, and that women will seek to take that place of authority and take up that responsibility that God has actually placed on the man. And this is exactly what happened in the early church. Once, once there was the freedom that was allowed because it was not allowed in culture at large, the freedom for women did not exist, but then suddenly it did exist inside the church that the, the, the co-equal image bearer status of women was exalted that, that, that in the church, a woman could sit and learn though in other places, she was not esteemed as worthy of that, um, that gift in the church she was and that automatically offset the balance because now they did not know exactly how that was. What was that supposed to look like? And Paul's constantly trying to reel in the church saying, wait, you can't, you can't ignore the creative order. You're undoing the creative order if you don't live inside the way God has given it. And so God has indeed given women the incredibly and, and the highly elevated position uh, in my estimation, of the culture building uh, realm inside the home, mm. that's not to say that, that that men have that men do not have a clear responsibility to be the sage inside their homes, but the reality of the na- the the nature that God has given women, um, as just as He Himself is the help that we need, He gives women to be the help that is necessary, uh, and and to ignore to ignore that and to undo that to have women step into the role of men. Um, I don't think we should expect anything other than to find men becoming, uh, I'm going to say, meaning the word in its actual meaning, increasingly retarded in their understanding of responsibility. Um, It's going to denigrate them. It's going to bring about their fall into lethargy and laziness uh, because that is our proclivity to do, to run from the responsibility we've been given and run towards lethargy. I think that's just that 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 is the the clear picture throughout the scriptures whenever that that is undone. And it's one of the ways Satan just tries to tries to s- s- smack us in the face and, and undo what God has actually called us to be. 
Uh, it's it's something we should expect, really, if we're going to continue to live uh, unrighteously and in sin. Yeah, I mean, it, it does tie into, um, I mean, there's not really much new I can possibly say. You just preached. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Put the hammer down. Put the hammer down. Um, there is actually a literal hammer. I'll take a picture of it and post it later. Um, so... Uh, it does actually. I think. I think specifically with the idea of the of the feminist movements, I really do think it actually ties in with the sustainability of a nation that we were talking about earlier, with like the birth rates and everything like that. It's probably mm-hmm. actually a really good topic to discuss at some point because, um, you know, uh, many. Uh, I think at least all major Western nations throughout Europe and and even and in our nation in Canada as well. Um, aren't actually reproducing at a at a sustainable rate, um, meaning that all of these nations are going to be devastated at some point because um, you know, because there's just not enough people to sustain the country itself, um, and and I I think that you know it, it's ironic because you know with the oh man. How far do I want to go back? With the rise of the Industrial Revolution and the and, and <laughs> shut up, Johnson, I know. With the rise of the Industrial Revolution and men actually leaving their homes to go work, um, simultaneously, essentially simultaneously, you have um, the rise of the public school movement or the the government run school movement. Um, you by the by the mid twentieth century, you do have women literally just sitting around in the house doing nothing. Like they. Uh, any productivity or any elevated status of of being a, a, a help meet in the producing the economy of the home has been literally just outsourced, um, literally completely away from the home. The education of the children outsourced to the state, the the jobs of the husband have been outsourced to factories and offices, um, and especially in the middle of the 20th century to war. Um, and so they're literally just sitting around doing nothing. And of course, you're going to feel purposeless. And so what do you have? You have the rise of the feminist movements. But, which, it, which but are, even that, I don't even think it captures it fully because men... You pretend cons- like I'm done. Well, I, I, I wanted to jump in because it wasn't going to make sense <laughs> if you went all the way to the end. If you went brought us all the way through to modern times, which I think is where you were heading over the next 10 minutes, it wasn't going to make sense. So I'm cutting in now because it'll make sense. <laughs> the The issue became that men felt that they had done their work and they came home and did not engage. So it was on men as well who did, who abdicated their responsibility in the home that they were called to have as well. Um, and additionally, the feminist movement pushed single women into the workforce. And so married women were at home while their husbands were in the workplace. And you now had liberated women working in the workplace alongside single women working alongside the married men. Right. And they were told they were, they were actually being taught to be aggressive and so it created a, it created the the it, it just it just ate away at the foundation of the family in a very complete and total way um, as 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 men saw their responsibility in the work not at home as women were left in the home uh, without the man and as single women were then empowered to go out and be aggressive in the workforce it was a perfect storm if you will. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, a, a perfect storm that that, end, that ended up destroying the family, you know, in mm-hmm. the process. Um, you know, the the family is the basic unit of society. And when you don't have that, you you lose your you lose what? No, you're right. No, you you lose you lose the society itself, which is exactly what's going to happen on a very not even hypothetical, but a very practical, real by the numbers level. 
Um, and along with the destruction of the family is, is a destruction of a, of a sense of uh, moral obligation to, to God. I mean, when you don't have that time spent as a family together, you lose the, the morals and the philosophies and the, uh, the worldview that we should be passing down, that the scripture is so, so clear that we should be passing down to our children as fathers and mothers, you know, Deuteronomy 6, Ephesians 6, uh, literally um, all of Proverbs, <laughs> um, you know, like, like you lose that when you, when you, when your family's not around each other, you cannot instill those values into your children. It is an impossibility for you to do so. And you are living outside of God's call in your life, Christian, if, if you find yourself in that situation. So you're going to have to really sit down, put on your hard hat and figure out what you got to do with your life to get that back on track and looking like what God wants it to be looking like in your life. But yeah, I mean, tra- tracking all that through, and, and, and again, we've talked about this book before, but The the Household and the War for the Cosmos by C.R. Wiley really, really goes through that timeline um, really, really well uh, and just kind of tracks that destruction. Um, but now, like, we're really just starting to reap 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 the sowing there of this past century of of decline and projecting into the future. We, we won't have the nations that we as we know them today um, in, in a couple of generations literally will be gone besides the evangelical Christians who are re- reproducing above replacement rate in, in all of the Western nations. Um, you also have the, uh, the, the Jews that actually believe in Judaism. I always forget what they, the messianic Jews. Well, not, well, they, believe yes, in, the, they believe, they believe in no, that's in Christ. Uh, not, that's, not the modern Zionist. No guys, calm down. Not the modern Jews, the not Amish, the, not the progressive Mennonites, Jews. <laughs> the traditional Jewish faith. Actually, reproduced at a significantly <laughs> orthodox. higher. As orthodox. <laughs> that's orthodox, word. Good man. words. Hey. Jeez, bing, bing, we got bing, there. Bing, 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 bing. Right, which <laughs> fifteen right. words later. Yes, they actually produce at a much higher than replacement rate. The algorithms are going to love this. <laughs> right. Episode. Yeah, no, they're they're all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> the secret is to say it so much and say it fast that they can't actually pick up on all the words. <laughs> we broke the we, we broke the machine. <laughs> so there's lots of there actually are a lot. They're, they're all all of the groups replace it, that are producing above replacement rates are religiously inclined whether that be from Roman Catholicism to Christian evangelicalism uh, and all the Protestant forms of Christianity. Uh, these, these are the people that are, are taking up the creative mandate, and it would make sense for them to do so because they do actually believe that it is God's command. You're going to make me do this. You know what you're about well, before to, you, to do. Before you do it, whatever it is, one thing that I found interesting is I was listening to Ben Shapiro's podcast, and he said that a lot of people aren't having – kids because of climate change and the fear i just knew (laughs) i knew you were gonna get to climate change eventually i just knew it. yeah (laughs) so i mean you have to really consider that that the world's gonna end and when god says it's gonna end so why should we have kids just gonna throw that one in there well if if by god you mean the uh international climate association (laughs) and if by when he says it and you mean that's 12 years from now, then yes, that's exactly when the world's going to end. <laughs> Jesse does not look happy. <laughs> no, Jesse wants to talk about Roman Catholicism. Go ahead, Jesse. Roman Catholicism? I don't know what you were, whatever I said that made you make also that face Also the Holy Roman Empire, as I said. <laughs> no peace with Rome. <laughs> Go ahead, Jesse. No peace with Rome. Have a, viva la reformation. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, but when when religious families are the ones that are having the children, but they are handing them over to the state for education. And you have 
75% of children in Christian households leaving the faith in, within their first one or two years of college, which I would argue they left the faith far, far earlier than that. What's so I the give point? the microphone to John, and he brings up climate change. Of course, Jesse brings it back to education. This was a podcast that was supposed to be talking about the Bible at borders. I'm kidding. Go ahead, Jesse. Yeah, I don't even know how we... I, oh, this is... No, this is John's subtopic. It's like a separate episode. It's a bonus episode. Bonus episode for our Patreons. <laughs> we, don't Patreons. We, don't, we don't have any of those. We don't even have a Patreon. The, the, There's time before Friday. I guess I could make one. Very interesting. <laughs> the very interesting... Uh, what a weird laugh. I'm sorry, everybody. The very interesting. You're right, John. We have made people afraid that the world is going to end in 12 years, and that doesn't necessarily seem to be the no, case. AOC has made people afraid. No, it's, it was more it. being facetious than anything. Uh, you're, but, you're, but you're not wrong. <clears throat> it's the fear that we can't, that, that power these, the elitist, the elitist globalists need fear. We, we must live in fear so that we, we are willing to relinquish uh, our responsibility and, and remain in inaction against them. We need to be afraid. Um, that's how that's how they that's how they do it. And it's it's not it's not true, everybody. It's it's not true. We're climate. The climate warming actually saves six hundred thousand lives a year because it turns out it turns out millions of people die from cold related deaths, and that's far more than die from heat related deaths. It turns out, everybody. I know it's a dirty little secret, but 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 global warming has actually saved. Annually, about six hundred thousand lives who are not dying from cold death. And that's that's a net total, by the way. Anyway, there. I just kind of to bring that back to our original topic. <laughs> <clears throat> um, not fearing, I think, is the key. <clears throat> and these do seem. <clears throat> excuse me, the weather's changing up here, so everyone's voice is scratchy. Oh, but uh, climate change. <laughs> <laughs> weather's not climate. Um, weather's not climate. Good. <laughs> So I think that's the main thing is not to fear. Like we do not have to fear the fact that there, <clears throat> we obviously want to enforce the laws that are here, but we don't have to fear the future. We don't have to fear this is all going on because we know what's going to happen. Now that means we have to fight harder because we do not fear. We know what's going to happen in the end. We win yet. We fight hard for the truth. We fight hard to give the gospel to people because in chaos, which is what we're seeing in this nation right now, whether it be the border, whether it be our, you know, the other things that our president's putting down, whether it be the vaccine mandates, whether it be whatever it is, when there is this much chaos, we can give the truth of order. We can give the truth of God. We can give the gospel to other people. I think that's, that's a main, you know, a main thing we can focus on is when the world seems to crumble, we have the answer where no one else does, you know, Kathy Hochul, my my non-elected governor, she does not have the answer for what anything that's going on. Christ has the answer. And though she may want us to send us out as her apostles, which is stupid, you know, I I am a you know, I am a deacon of death for God. <laughs> we'll just throw that out there. Nice. So I am not I, like I am not a apostle of high priestess Hochul. Oh, yeah. So and we have that hope. We have that hope where other people do not have it. That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. There I mean, is one of one of the most powerful things coming. Again, I'm referencing this um, this interview with Jacob Rayon because if no, if you guys are listening to this episode, which why in the world? Uh, but not, <laughs> yeah, not because of, not because of John, just because of us. <laughs> it's, it's never because of the person we're interviewing. Um, but I mean, it, you really should go back and listen to uh, our interview with um, Jacob Rayon. 
Um, he really, really hit, hits that hard. The idea that um, culture is spiraling and we should not look to politics to fix the culture, but that we should be working so hard to build good Christian citizens that when the rest of the world falls apart and we need we need to rebuild from the ashes, the church is there as the foundation. <laughs> And I like that's like what a revelation that was. That was it was such an amazing thing to think about and to hear. Like the the guy's got a plan, and and we all need plans, and we all need to um, have babies, uh, not send them to state education camps, um, evangelize and witness to our neighbors, preach repentance and forgiveness of sins, um, and all of those wonderful, beautiful aspects of our faith that we tend to just for whatever reason just keep to ourselves. Back to you, Justin. Oh, you're you're done now. Yeah, I just wanted to make that transition even more awkward. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Wait, 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 I can do this. I can just. <clears throat> no, time is yours. Thank you. Very good. That was a very good, Eddie <laughs> Reed. Um, I think uh, I think as we're talking about we've well, as we've talked about everything now <laughs> we've covered it all. Um, Galatians nothing three new under the sun. <laughs> that is true. The Galatians three twenty eight tells us there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but all are one in Christ Jesus. The reality that, that we need to understand is there is no reconciliation apart from Jesus Christ. There, there is no reconciliation. There is no, there will be no, there will be no racial reconciliation apart from Jesus Christ. There will be no border reconciliation apart from Jesus Christ. This, we, we cannot be ignorant, uh, of what the, the scripture says as Christians. The, the point here is that we reconcile everyone to Christ. And when everyone is reconciled to Christ, what changes is the lordship. And if Christ is your Lord, continuing in sin is not your desire. Your desire is to be a bondservant of the one who has saved you. Um, so so if that if that is indeed what we know in the church, if we know that God has given sovereign nations, if we know that that we should live uh, live justly under him and under the rulers he has given when they rule justly, um, then then we must honor that and we must preach the gospel in that and so to the unrighteous we preach Christ right and to to each other we preach Christ that is the hope there is no hope apart from it uh, and that's there probably is no better way to end an episode I don't think <laughs> than on that reality amen <laughs> and a women <laughs> yikes <laughs> yikes <laughs> Oh my gosh! And well, and with and with all the topics that we've covered today, uh, definitely just keep up with keep up with us on the socials. You can follow John uh, at, through the Godly Grunts. Look him up, or you can also find him at the Deacon of Death uh, on on the Insta. Deacon, Deacon of Death, Death twenty two twenty two. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, on, yeah. on Insta. We have a. This is coming out on Friday, but the next day, so Saturday, we have a episode. If you're a veteran, you know a veteran. Um, you think veterans are cool for some reason um we have a podcast coming out where we interview the the head of suicide prevention at um at uh fort drum new york which is the home of the 10th mountain division and really he's a he's a fellow elder in the church that i'm at and um it's with suicide rates climbing it's something i encourage uh your listeners to to listen to as well because it's it's very good not just a theological look at it but also uh, what he teaches leaders in the military on how to how to prevent suicides how to um, interdict suicides as well 
Gotcha. Yeah, and you you know that we'll be promoting that on our page. Yeah, as well. so definitely definitely search Godly Grunts on whatever whatever format you're listening to to podcasts, um, so that you can find that find John's uh, sorry find John's podcast, and then you can use that as a resource to anyone that you might know to be a veteran, as well as arm yourself and equip yourself so that you can speak to those who are veterans as well. Yeah. Um, that is excellent work. And last excellent week's episode work. was uh, was a ma- the mashup of a century with uh, John and Alex uh, chatting about. <laughs> um, uh, depression as well. It was fantastic. Yes, two veterans themselves. Uh, so that's that 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 is also invaluable listening. So definitely check that out because we do love veterans here on the Carpet Day podcast. Mm. Yes, we do. Love me some veterans. Not like that. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, look, John's run away screaming from. Oh, <laughs> we, lost, we lost John. Goodbye, uh, John. <laughs> uh, well, with that, I can think of nothing else that I could say. Other than for you to seize the faith.